Hello and welcome to FortiGuard Live. I'm joined with my co esteemed colleague once again, Amar Larkani. Amar, it's good to see you every week. How are you doing? Man, it's good to be here. Another week, another day of like cyber attacks and cyber warfare, I guess. Yeah, not, not a week, another hour, it seems like, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, so um, you know, it's that time of year again, like to say, uh, Black Hat USA. Uh, I've been attending and presenting at Black Hat for over 15 years. I know uh, you're, it's the same with yourself. Um, there's always a theme, right? And I don't know if there's been an actual defined theme this year, but I know that... Um, you know, in my point of view, it's like, uh, here we go again, right? If we look at uh, last year, all the talks we did was on, on uh, you know, FortiGuard Live and a lot of, obviously, things on the threat landscape was all COVID, 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 just like the real world. Um, but now what we've seen, we sort of saw this coming, um, to be fair, but we've just seen... Uh, you know, back to the drawing board for cyber criminals, right? There's been this big variety of, of different attacks happening. Yeah, you know, you're you're right. I think like the, the difference now, I like how you said it's kind of uh, like back to the same old. We're starting to see kind of the more traditional attacks and the more traditional type of vulnerabilities even being researched coming in. That Those are like office vulnerabilities, uh, bypass for privilege escalation, uh, you know, taking advantage of operating system flaws. And of course, a lot of vulnerabilities and a lot of research in IoT and OT, as as is the trend for the last year. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, some of these trends, right? We so we just released um, recently um, three three blogs on three completely different threats, right? First and foremost, uh, Olympics. Uh, so, so Tokyo 2020, obviously being held in 2021, we've been monitoring and looking for, for any threats that are centered around Olympics because this happens every time, it seems. So we saw this back in 2018 with something called Olympic Destroyer that we did some research on. This was destructive wiper malware uh, that hit, that was linked to previous attacks back in um uh, you know, um, uh, uh, Dark Soul attacks on government and public sector in South Korea, as an example. We also did breaking research on that back in 2012. Um, I believe that was called W32CAST. But, you know, that was destructive malware. It was wiping disk partition. It had the, one of the first logic bombs that we saw back in 2012. Now we saw this happen with Olympic Destroyer in 2018. And just recently on our blog on um, on our 40 guard labs research we're seeing more wiper malware right um in this case it was just going after documents um so it wasn't wiping the whole partition but it's, it's interesting because it's different right it's most most of cybercrime is about monetization but this obviously with um, not not holding it for ransom but actually wiping and destroying uh systems it's a different motive Right. You know, this may be like one of the few cases where monetization or financial incentives are not uh, the primary driving factor. It could be visibility. I mean, let's think about it. I mean, the Olympics are very popular all over the world. A lot of eyes everywhere on what's going on with the Olympics. And there's a lot of, you know, times things to prove. Sometimes like countries may be banned from the Olympics and maybe, uh, maybe uh, you know, entities within that organization, within that country may want to, you know, make a statement uh, hacking groups. Uh, there could be other types of hacktivism going on. I think the Olympics are actually a, a platform that attackers are using more for hacktivism and for political statements uh, than just, you know, just financial incentives these days. 
Yeah, completely agree. It's one of those things where uh, all, all eyes are on the Olympics, and uh, so it's a perfect visibility platform for them. Uh, but it just goes to show, again, that we are starting to see this spread and this uh, di diversification, if you will, of, of threats. Uh, the other blog that we released was on uh, XLL Loader. This is also interesting because, you know, everyone's heard of DLLs, dynamic link libraries, and obviously, you know, libraries and, and code uh, that can uh, support you know, platforms on your system. XLL files are, are less known. Uh, so this is used by um, uh, by, by Excel and it's so similar to a DLL. It's a basically a library and supporting code that can be loaded by Excel, but it can be weaponized as well. And in our blog, we actually pointed out that we saw one of these. It was a signed XLL component that was um, you know, doing its nefarious thing and actually dropping a Boor loader. So a loader that can obviously load nasty threats like, like ransomware, uh, but an interesting spin, I would say. Yeah, I think a lot of people forget like the functionality that Microsoft has in their applications. I mean, Excel for you know some part, at least I personally consider it almost like a full development platform. You can have like very sophisticated and complicated applications within Excel. And uh, like a lot of people in the financial industry, a lot of people, I have a lot of friends that are uh, in accounting and uh, finance, they basically use Excel and we think of them as worksheets, but they have tabs that open up like full-fledged applications that connect to multiple back office systems and that's where XLL is used pretty often is to kind of create those macros, create those DLLs, those loaders but essentially for the most part you're creating an application within Excel and uh, and then you can use Excel functionalities for um, you know for formulas for everything you use Excel for as well as incorporating your applications. So very powerful and also very popular or really at least it's becoming popular in the financial industry. Now, uh, now since Excel is that kind of that foundation, all the vulnerabilities in Excel still exist, or I wouldn't say vulnerabilities, all the um, all, all the ways attackers like try and do social engineering attacks or try and bypass or trick users, all exist within that foundation. And uh, that's, that's what it's taking advantage of, is you're essentially loading another external program within Excel. And once you load that external program and users do give access, and with XSL, it's pretty common. You are clicking on things, you're connecting to things. So users are kind of already used to clicking on buttons, giving access for this time they're giving access to malicious programs and at that point it's game over just like it's just like a macro file when you give access to it enable macros it's very similar it's game over attackers now have possibly uh, control of your system and possibly a way into the entire organization yeah and what we saw with this is that um, while we have seen a big shift in ransomware to the high impact attacks that we're talking about and you know going after really um instead of those you know large broad campaigns going after specific targets obviously going for seven figure ransom payments that is definitely a new trend but we're still seeing this in the in, in the case with we lord and xll this this was detected through our spam traps this is being sent out through fairly trivial i would say you know spam mass mail so that is still a, a threat vector that we see the other thing too is this was a signed file right so this is um uh, inherently trusted and it just goes to show that going back to this sort of uh, you know the zero trust model uh, and approach that we talk about you have to have all your bases covered you can't just rely on one single thing right uh, so it's it's again it's depth and breadth that we talk about I mean, things like uh, edr running on the system of course uh, sandboxing technology as well goes a long way to help with these things
Yeah, absolutely. And when most people use Excel, when most organizations are using XLL files, uh, they're, they're basically using a central copy. A lot of times I've seen them like where they're hosted on, uh, you know, a remote desktop application, something like Citrix, something like VMware. Everyone's connecting to it. They usually have their own logins. So it's very, you, you know, it would be very dangerous for an organization to have that file leak because it's already signed by that organization or if it's replaced by malicious code on that file. And, uh, and, I'm, and I'm guessing that's uh, what attackers have been attempting to do when they are when they know organizations are using those types of um you know basically those type of functionalities and if they're set up that way so you're you're absolutely right I, it the, the trust is already built in and because this trust is built in uh basically that entire organization could possibly be impacted um so i would say if any organization or if any 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 clients of yours are using xsl uh you know uh, applications or uh, xsl functionality you know be very careful on how uh, how it's segmented how it's set up how access rights are uh you know configured inherently i think there's a there's a big uh, uh you know opportunity for attackers and you have to keep an eye on it yeah, absolutely. And um, so shifting gears to yet another threat, this is uh, another blog that we put out, and this one is quite interesting because it's, uh, I think, something we're going to see more of. Um, so this was a, um, a you know malware that was basically hunting and searching for uh, uh, crypto uh, wallets, and crypto credentials. So maybe you can explain the difference of this and crypto jacking. It's sort of a, a hybrid because we've seen crypto jacking happen for a long time now, probably about 10 years, right? Uh, where, um, you know, that that's obviously going after resources and mining. That takes time. <laughs> this seems a more direct approach. And it's the way I look at it, it's similar to, you know, in, in the old school days of going after uh, uh, bank accounts, right? Online banking. That, that They'd have to get into the bank accounts. They'd have to have money launders, uh, money mules. They'd have to do wire transfers to the different accounts. Now, uh, with crypto and the platforms, it looks like we're starting to see this dawn or rise of malware that is actually just, hey, we don't have to log into an online bank and do all that stuff. We can just go for the wallet and, and hit them there, right? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, crypto jacking, you know, what that traditionally has been is when attackers have put malware on your system, a lot of times it's on web pages. So it's, all, you know, it's just downloaded for JavaScript or something like that. And they're using your CPU to mine cryptocurrency. Now, now, when you're using CPU to mine cryptocurrency, it's it's very slow, it's very painful, it's not really cost effective. But if you're an attacker, you don't really care about that. Uh, you know, at most, you're probably making pennies a day. But the idea is they're hoping the attackers are hoping that they're infecting enough machines where it's going to be significant for them. It's still a little, it's still getting a little more difficult to just do crypto jacking because just a lot of miners these days like don't even work uh, like on CPUs anymore. You have to have graphic cards. Um, you have to have a minimum amount of memory on graphic cards because you have like swap files and kind of like the basic loaders that go into them. So it's very very difficult to mine on CPU any type of profitable coin, and uh, and it just is going to take a long time. Um, and what, so what the attackers were doing with crypto jacking is they were kind of writing their own custom miners and stuff too. So they is a little more sophistication. Um, the easier way to do it, and what they what they started doing is essentially a phishing attack. They're uh, they're publishing yeah. um, you know apps on app stores, and we've seen this on iOS devices. We've seen seen this on Android devices, but they're publishing apps on app stores that are wallet apps. And what these wallet apps do is, once you download them, you enter your credentials. Uh, they'll usually have some sort of promotion saying like, hey, if you transfer your your uh, cryptocurrency into our wallet, um, you know, we'll give you some sort of return. We'll give you some sort of extra bonus. 
bonus. A lot of times, once they do that, essentially they've lost their crypto- cryptocurrency. Um, that's one of the ways they're doing that. And um, and once it's gone, it's gone. Like I mean, like the the you know you know both Apple, both uh, Google have been very quick and on looking at those type of apps and kind of like taking them down. But um, but you know, unfortunately, if you're a victim, you can't really get your cryptocurrency back. Uh, the other thing they're doing is those apps are, you know, advertising or trying to essentially, uh, you know, scan your system, scan your device, look for any other type of uh, crypto wallets that you may have where you're storing your cryptocurrency and steal those credentials a lot of times. Uh, there are sophisticated apps because, like, you know, not only do you have usually a username and password on your crypto wallet, you have a, a private key, which is something like 12 to 13 different random words that they have to steal as well. But um, if you're acting as a wallet and doing transfer, it's pretty easy to kind of disguise that and, and kind of move your stuff over. At least attackers are uh, having an easy time, like, fooling some users on that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's very much like a... Um it's it's you know we, we always talk about that physical and virtual world being blend and this is very much like a smash and grab right where they can go in and and literally hit hit, hit the wallet and and uh and get the funds out it's um, exactly and, and i do want to point out so a lot of people when i when i mentioned this attack uh obviously i uh you know i'm very uh i'm very passionate about cryptocurrency a lot of my friends are as well um so when i you know people tell me well i'm only going to use a trusted wallet well you know there's a lot of trusted wallets you may have heard of but when you actually look at you know look on these app stores they all kind of sound similar they all you know the attackers are using very similar names even legitimate programs are using very similar names and very similar like icons a lot of times so uh so they're fooling users that way and you know it's not unheard of um or you know there, there's a possibility where a very legitimate application may may you know get hijacked and their updates may get hijacked so even if you are 100 percent sure you're on a legitimate application never had an issue before it's possible in the future like you know there's, there's still an attack vector out there so you still have to be careful I, I always say try and keep your cryptocurrency as much as you can offline uh, you can even print them out on paper. You know, they're mathematical algorithms, hashes. You can actually print cryptocurrency out on paper if you want. Uh, so if you have significant investments, I would say do that and keep, you know, you know, you know, you know, I, I always say like hot, you know, cold, coldest, right? I mean, so you have online wallets and then you have like your own wallets and then you have complete cold, uh, cold offline storage. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the cold storage uh, myself as well. Um, I think, yeah, if you print them, just make, make sure you print them on nice paper, right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's uh, you know it, it's a good point that you raise because there's only uh, I mean well not there, there's a, a more limited or finite amount of trusted well-established banks as an example financial institutions versus all of these different platforms and you know wallets and, and applications that can be used so it does become trust uh, harder on the trust game there too. Um, all right, Amar, uh, it's been a fascinating talk to you as always. I think we will need to check in very soon because these are coming fast and furious and that just hasn't stopped. We continue to see the, the waves building and building uh, throughout this year and clearly we're seeing uh, more types of attacks. So well, uh, stay tuned on that. You can check out all of our blogs at our threat research category on Fortinet.com. Uh, once again, I'm Derek Minkey with FortiGuard Live. Thanks again, Amar. All right, thanks.